Hey, thanks for joining us on the No Limits Church podcast. This is a place to get equipped to make a difference for the kingdom of God. So get ready to be empowered by this message. Did you guys know that more than 32% of church plants fail within the first four years? It might be, the stat might be higher than that now, post-COVID. That's probably a pre-COVID stat. Yet here we are celebrating 15 years today as a church. Many of you have yet to hear it, so I'm going to share today the story of how we got here. It's always great to look back on what the Lord has done. I don't think we spend enough time doing that in our own lives. We tend to just move on and forget and focus on all the problems that are ahead, right? (laughs) Uh, So we're going to look back, and then we're also going to look forward on what's to come, because the Lord's doing great things here. So in late 2007, to me that doesn't seem like very long ago, but you know, it's 16 years ago now. Beth and I had only been married for a few months, and my dad asked me if we wanted to help him start a church. He said he'd, he'd be the pastor, and he was inviting us to be the worship leaders, and I enthusiastically said, yes. I mean, after all, I was, as a 19-year-old guy, I thought I had it all together, and I knew that I would be the best worship leader around. <laughs> I know none of you other guys do that whenever you're 19, thinking you, you know it all, right? Well, I'd been leading my youth band for several years at that point, so I had all the experience that I needed. At least that's what I thought, right? And then I found out pretty quickly that I didn't know as much as I thought. Our first service was on March 30th, 2008. And my dad will argue with me till he's red in the face about this being our 15-year anniversary or our 16-year anniversary. But I got the records and I looked it up. It is our 15-year anniversary because our first service, Dad, where are you, Dad? Are you out there in the lobby? It was March 30th, 2008. And it was in a hotel conference room in Claremore, It didn't take long for us to figure out that we were called to Owasso, so we moved to a storefront at 76th Street and 129th, just two miles down the road, just four months after we started the church. And um, in just three years, we went from occupying one suite at the 76th Street Professional Plaza to occupying uh, four suites there. And uh, then an opportunity opened up for us to share this huge space at a church in Collinsville, and we needed room to grow, so that's where we went. So in March 2011, we held a combined service with the Presence Theater Church. It was an awesome service where we passed on a move-in ready space to another church, and they're still there today, right down the street. So that's that's really cool. But during this move, I was in my final year of Rama Bible College. My dad made me go, and I'm really glad that he did. Who I am and where I am today is a result of two years of letting the Word of God transform my life while I was at Rama. Because I don't know if you know anything about Rama, but you're basically just in the Word from uh, 8 a.m. to 12 p.m., five days a week for two years, and it just radically changed my life. Uh, just a few months into our time sharing that church building in Collinsville, we were reminded that we were called to Owasso, not Collinsville, and it was kind of miserable being in the wrong place. <laughs> and everybody who was there at that time was like, yeah, yeah, that was miserable. Uh, so we returned to Owasso just one year later in April 2012. And this is a good place to point out that being in ministry with your dad isn't exactly the easiest thing to do. I know you can't imagine that. Through all these moves and changes, my dad and I butted heads quite a bit. <laughs> I was opinionated, y'all, like so opinionated. I thought that everybody needed to know what I thought. So I was always telling dad what we should do differently at the church. Always. I mean, always telling him that. And I remember uh, uh, I I nagged him so much. It was nagging. I nagged him so much that one day he sat me down and he told me, that's enough. Enough. You either stop sharing your opinion or you can step out of leadership because I'm not doing this anymore. 
And I remember going home so frustrated and telling Beth, we are leaving that church. We're leaving. He doesn't even appreciate what I'm doing around here. But (laughs) grandma says I have a little bit of my dad in me. But that conversation shaped me. It really shaped me once I came to grips with, you know what, my dad's right. And I bet some of you need to have a confrontation like that. So I'll give it to you right now. Your opinion is not as valuable as you think it is. And the more you share it, the more you look like a fool. A wise, godly person keeps their opinion to themselves and only shares it sparingly at the direction of the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to give you a heads up. Most of the time, the Holy Spirit tells you to shut up. Be quiet. You don't need to share that. And you know, not many people are bold enough to call you out in an area where you need to grow. But thank God my dad doesn't hold back. He was willing to sacrifice by putting our relationship temporarily at odds. Well, he didn't even know if it was temporary or not whenever we had that conversation, right? He's, for all he knew, I could run off and he'd never see me again. But he was willing to do that to help me grow and become the man that I needed to be. Aren't you glad he rubbed off on me? (laughs) I'm here to help you grow. So if you have to get mad at me in the process, that's fine. You go ahead. Be mad as long as you want to. But as you grow, you're going to be thankful that I loved you enough to tell you the truth to help you out in the long term. You know, my dad deserves great honor for investing himself in our church throughout the years. Uh, We wouldn't be where we are without him, and I'm so thankful that he's still here with us today. And the reason he's not in the room is because he's out in the lobby doing security stuff today. He's part of the security team. So, Dad, I love you. I thank you. So my dad, Mark Young, he's the founding pastor of our church and led us for the first 10 years. And most people believe that the founding pastor has to stay put until he dies, but that was never God's plan for my dad. And he knew it before he even started the church. So starting about year five, he was looking for the next pastor. And uh, he was just ready to pass the baton and everybody would look at me. And I'd say, no way, no way, y'all are crazy. At, the same, at that time, I had little indication that God would ever lead me to pastor. As far as I was concerned, I was going to be a worship leader the rest of my life. I was even leading other worship leaders through my blog and YouTube channel called Collaborate Worship, which I continue to do today. My content is viewed by more than 200,000 people around the world each year. It enables me to serve worship teams in the U.S., in the Philippines, Nigeria. It's seriously all around the world. If I pull up my Google Analytics at any point in the day and it shows you on a map like everybody who's on your website right then, it's all over the world. People are coming to learn from me on Collaborate Worship. It's just, it's incredible. And I'm not tooting my own horn. I'm just, I'm just telling you, God led me to start Collaborate Worship when everybody else was telling me I was an idiot for, turn, for turning into one of those bloggers, right? One of those YouTubers. But I knew that it was something that God wanted me to do. So I started it. And now people see the success of it. And they're like, man, it must be nice to be Cade. How about we rewind back to when I started that? And it cost me to start Collaborate Worship. And I had to pay for the website and everything else that was going year one, year two. But yet I was writing every week. I was being consistent. And I was doing what the Lord called me to do, even though there was no indication that there was ever going to be some kind of financial success at the end of this road. And I just kept going and kept going. And year three, I finally made like a few hundred dollars, y'all, for the whole year. Can you believe that? Y'all give up too early when God puts something on your heart. Somebody needs to hear that. Don't give up. It might take you two years. It might take you three years, but keep going. And I know Mr. Wills back there can testify to that. It takes time, doesn't it, buddy? 
So, I mean, he's blessed my obedience. It's incredible. It now provides for my family and my two employees, and I plan on growing my team for Collaborate Worship. It's awesome. So there I was, a worship leader thriving in my role, and then everything changed in 2017. It's like God opened up this new door within me, and I began to see the future of our church. Because up until that point, I didn't carry the vision of our church. I just knew that I was here to support my dad and be a part of the church. Um, but, but suddenly, I could see the vision but then I had another roadblock. I couldn't see myself as a, as a pastor. Couldn't see it. Because in America, we have this idea of what a pastor should be, what he should look like, how old he should be. And I just couldn't fit the mold. Like, I did not fit the mold. Yeah, I don't have a tie. I'm wearing a t-shirt under this blazer. I mean, it's, I've come, I've come a, a ways over the years. Before, I wouldn't even have had a blazer on. I'd still be up here in a t-shirt, which I do from time to time. But y'all, at this time, I had a man bun on my head. I mean, it was just like... I didn't look like, I did not fit America's expectation as a pastor. And then one day while I was hiking, the Holy Spirit challenged me when he said this. He says, who says you have to pastor like everybody else does? I was like, well, 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 and I couldn't come up with any, any response to that, right? Uh, this question, though, is what made me realize that God didn't call me to be somebody else. He called me to be who he created me to be. So I might as well be comfortable in what he's asking me to do and say yes. And so that's what released me to accept the call to lead this church. So Sunday, June 10th, 2018, that's when I became the lead pastor of No Limits Church. So we're coming up on my fifth anniversary this June. I can't believe it's been that long. Time's flying. Uh, the transition was mostly smooth because I'd been kind of like the second guy in the church the whole time since it had started. So people were used to seeing me in a leadership role, although I, I teach nothing like my dad. He's more of a fiery preacher, right? Gets up here and yells at you. And I, I don't necessarily do that. So people had an adjustment to make for our speaking styles. Uh, but it was very calm first year and then came COVID. Um, I had no idea my introduction to lead pastoring would include navi navigating a pandemic. I don't know if you heard that right, but that's what it was. Political upheaval and moral annihilation. 2020 was a very defining year for me. Most of us, right? Like, like every pastor, I had a decision to make. Was I going to continue pursuing comfortable Christianity? Or was I going to get dressed for battle and lead God's people as we destroy the works of the enemy? You know what decision I made, and that's probably while you're here. You don't want to be part of a woke church. You want to be part of a bold, courageous, and powerful church that's full of the Holy Spirit. That's us. That's who we are. So the summer of 2020 was a season of transformation for me. I kind of went into a cocoon as a feel-good preacher <laughs> and came out with guns a-blazing. People are like, what happened to Cade? Um, I was just ready to destroy the works of the enemy. And I, I wish I could say that everybody received my newfound boldness with open arms. Uh, but over the next few months, I managed to cut our congregation in half. What used to be an average of 70 in attendance turned into 30 or 40 people here on Sunday. So if you looked at the stats, you'd say, Cade missed God. He's missing it. Lots of people in my own congregation were out gossiping about me, spreading all kinds of lies and rumors about me. And only one of them was brave enough to come tell me to my face out of those that were doing it. And here's what he said. I remember this meeting like it was yesterday. I imagine you go for a drive in your convertible after Sunday service and think about how awful you feel for the messages that you preach. 
And I looked him straight in the eyes and I said, I've never been more sure that what I'm preaching is exactly what the Holy Spirit wants me to preach. He gave me this look of confusion, right? Like, what? And then we, he ended the meeting by saying this. He says, if you keep doing this, the church will die. But if you do it the way that I'm telling you to do it, it'll grow beyond your wildest imagination. Now that I think about it, this sounds a lot like the offers that Satan made to Jesus in the wilderness. <laughs> I wish I would have had this then, but a great response to that comment would have been, get thee behind me, Satan, right? <laughs> For it is written, fearing man is a dangerous trap, but trusting in the Lord means safety. And that's exactly what I did. I trusted the Lord. It didn't look good. I was making people mad. Wow, was I making people mad. But I trusted the Lord, and as I did... The persecution continued to increase. <laughs> what, a great, what a great reward for trusting the Lord, right? More persecution, yay. It's not a, yeah, yeah. It's not a pleasant outcome of obedience, but if you're not facing persecution for your faith, you probably have an adjustment to make. You're probably not bold enough. Hmm. I just need to let that one settle for a minute. I didn't actually, before I wasn't really even making a difference in people's lives, being a feel-good preacher, people would pat me on the back. Good job, Gabe. You told me what I wanted to hear. Nobody's life was changing, though. Lives started changing when I started doing things that got me persecuted. With each passing Sunday, the Holy Spirit filled me with more and more boldness as I was walking in that obedience I didn't even care that I was preaching to fewer people because the people who were showing up were hungry for God. They were so hungry, and we were all growing together. And out of that internal growth came external growth, and it seemed to kind of just come out of nowhere. We were a small congregation for over a year when suddenly what God promised started to manifest. And now we have 120 people here every Sunday. There's only 100 chairs in this room. And here's the best part. You're all hungry for the things of God. You're not here to play church. So now what? Where are we headed? What are we going to do about our lack of space? What's next? Well, most importantly, I'm going to follow the Holy Spirit. I will. I've asked him about multiple services. Seems like a solid solution. He said no. I've looked into several buildings. He said no. You know, in haste, we could sit here and devise our own solution, couldn't we? We could probably come up with a really good one, too. But if the Holy Spirit doesn't lead it, it'll be to our detriment. In these last days, we can't afford to make decisions without the Holy Spirit. You could years ago, and you could get away with it, but you can't get away with it anymore. And boy, could I tell you a story. I don't, I'm not going to today, but the, the Lord has been showing me. I did one thing. The Holy Spirit told me not to do it, and it was a good thing. It's not like I was in sin or anything like that. Like, it was a good thing. I was going to do ministry, and the Holy Spirit told me, do not go. And I said, oh, but it's a good thing. I'm going to do it anyway, all the while knowing I was violating what, how the Spirit was leading me. And let me tell you, he put a stop to it. He stopped it and got my attention, and he told me, he's like, you cannot afford to disobey me to any degree in this season that you're in. 
you must follow everything that I tell you to do. It's like, man, but I remember when I used to get away with some stuff. (laughs) Growing up, right? (laughs) Growing up. So some of you think I'm dragging my feet. I'm not. I am waiting for the direct, I'm alert, really, to the direction of the Holy Spirit. He's going to show me when and where. He'll show me, but until then, we're going to continue to gather right here. We're going to continue to prepare for what's ahead. It's not that we have no idea what the Holy Spirit's up to. I mean, he's shown us what's to come, and we're simply waiting for it all to unfold at the right time. You may remember that vision that I had last summer. I was praying out at Ulaga Lake when the Holy Spirit gave me a vision of another pastor handing me the keys to his building. And he said, I failed to raise up the next generation, and I've been praying that God would correct my error, error, and here you are. Take my building. And that vision will come to pass. Some of y'all are thinking, well, why hasn't it already? You know how hard it is to settle into God's timing for things? Because every time he shows me something, I'm like, oh, this must be tomorrow. <laughs> Anybody? <laughs> and then it doesn't happen tomorrow, and then you start doubting it. And I mean, that's, that's the whole battle right there, and that's what the, the enemy wants you to do. He wants you to doubt it so it can't come to pass. When he shows you something, hold on to it until it does. Do not let it go. And then on January 28th of this year, I was praying in tongues at my office, and it was kind of like bursting out of me with great power. Have you guys ever noticed a difference between like, sometimes you're praying in tongues, and then other times you're praying in tongues? Like, it's just bursting out of you. And then I began to interpret what I was praying, and here's what the Spirit said. He said, no limits church will occupy the city of Owasso until Jesus comes. Our leadership and our influence is going to make Owasso a safe haven until he comes. And we're going to occupy it by owning businesses in Owasso. We'll be serving on city council and school board. And we'll have three church locations. We'll have one in East Owasso, Central Owasso, and West Owasso. And we'll be, we will be the leading force in Owasso. No other organization will have the influence that we have, but we will steward that influence well. It's going to be marked by righteousness. Y'all, I didn't come up with this. It's not like I had my whiteboard out that day, my vision board. It was like, let me come up with something that will impress the people, right? Not at all. This is a true prophetic word from the living God. And you know how I know that it is? Because I couldn't even dream that big. This didn't come out of Cade dreaming. This, I mean, I heard this the first time and I was like, what? That's a lot. But this is what he wants from us. This is our assignment as a church. But for prophecy to come to pass, we have to cooperate. A misunderstanding about prophecy, when God gives you a direction for your life, he shows you what his will is for your life, and you think that you can just sit back and that it's going to happen? No, you have to cooperate with exactly what he tells you to do. There's one step, and then there's another step, and there's another step, and another step. And if you don't follow those steps, you're not going to get there. And he's going to have to use somebody else. So we can't just sit back and wait for everything to happen to us. And that's why we've been in boot camp the last month, talking about the fear of the Lord, I mean, this, this year started out great, right? We're talking about the uh, manifest goodness of God. Yay! Having a great time. And then the Holy Spirit shifts and gives me these messages about the fear of the Lord. And I was like, oh, man, what a shift. But apparently we need it. Mom, you called it out. I just remembered whenever you talked about there's a shift coming. And that was part of, wow. I mean, because it was a shift. I mean, it's like, we're like, yeah, and then shift. We're talking about the fear of the Lord. All right. But listen to me. A casual approach to God will not be tolerated here. It's not going to be tolerated. And I'm not saying that we're going to kick people out. I'm saying that the Holy Spirit will not tolerate a casual approach to God here. If you're not up for the assignment that he's set before us, he's going to move you right out of the way. 
It doesn't mean that you're not saved. It just means that you're not ready for what he's doing here. I've been here before. We're in a, I don't know the right word to use. It's a sifting season. You have these seasons where everything's just kind of, Lord's doing amazing things, and he leads you to this point, and then he sifts. And that's where we are. This is, a, he's shaking. And everything that cannot be shaken in here will remain. But everything that can be will be gone. And that's why, if you're paying attention, everybody's character flaws are coming to the surface right now. They're coming up. Those things that were buried deep within that you thought you were hiding, they're coming up to the surface. The question is, are you going to skim them off and get rid of them? Or are you going to push them back down and hope that nobody saw what just happened? Y'all, this is God's grace at work. He's showing you exactly what needs to be dealt with. He's just showing it to you. And it's not to shame you. God never shames you. He's just making it easy for you to see so you can get rid of it. Did you know that we're so unaware of our own faults? We walk around not even seeing what's going on. Everybody else can see it plain as day, but we can't even see it until the Holy Spirit brings it to the top for you to see. And we should be so thankful every time that stuff bubbles up and we see it and it's ugly and we're like, oh, I can't believe that was in me, but thank you for showing it to me. Skim it off the top and get rid of it. If you refuse to face these character issues, as painful as they are, it won't be long till you move on to another church. You might blame it on the music being too loud, or because it's so hard to get a meeting with Pastor Cade, or because nobody noticed your post on Facebook, or whatever, right? We can come up with all kinds of things. But the reality is you are faced with a character flaw. And instead of dealing with it and asking God to help you grow, you blame something else. You blamed somebody else. You complained, whatever. Don't let that be you. Because let me tell you something, if you do that, you're going to come right back to the same place. And God's going to give you another chance to deal with it. And it's going to be more painful next time. (laughs) Fact. Have you been there, Anthony? (laughs) (laughs) Take responsibility and develop character. We're taught that in Romans. Let's turn to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, verses 3 and 4. says, We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. She knows it all starts with problems and trials. Without the problems and trials, you'd never even get to the place of character. And this character that we build increases our hope of salvation. Isn't that amazing? What a great benefit. It's beautiful. And you know, God is using money to reveal these character issues for a lot of people. How many of you faced a test with money recently? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Come on, be honest. Keep your hand up because I want you all to look around. How many of you all have faced a test with money recently? 
Look around. You're not alone. I'm raising my hand too, y'all. I could tell you about my test. Maybe you were tempted to hide the truth in order to benefit financially. Maybe you misused money and tried to hide it. Maybe God asked you to give and you didn't. Maybe he asked you to let go of some income and trust him. How did you do? You passed. Good. Praise the Lord. How did you do, y'all? Did you pass? Or do you need to take the test again? So let's allow Jesus today to teach us something about money to help us out. Turn to Luke chapter 16. And while you're turning there, I'll just tell you my story. Because I don't want you to think that I'm picking on you. This is something I've been learning too. I've been, you know how many tests that the Lord, that I've been through around money throughout my time? Too many to count. Too many to count. And the most recent one is I was always telling myself, I don't trust in this consistent check that's coming in each week. I trust God. And I would say that, and I, would th- I thought that that's really what was going on in my heart. The Lord said, okay, great. Get rid of that. Okay. And so, I mean, that's what I always, my first response is always immediate yes. Something that we teach our kids at my house is first time obedience. We are obedient the first time. So that was my reaction. Yes, I'll do it. And then there was time between my yes and what had actually happened. And I've dealt with a lot of things during that two, three month period of time. But what about this? And what about that? What about this? What am I going to do? Working the numbers, right? Is this going to work? God, how are you going to work this? God, this doesn't even work. How are you going to make this happen? Uh, and then I got to the end of all that and I found out, you know, Lord, I trusted in that. And I'm glad that you told me to get rid of it because I want my trust to only be in you. And I passed that test. And I'm really a bit concerned about the next one because that was a really big one. Because <laughs> I don't know if you realize this, but the tests grow. <laughs> They grow and they get bigger and more intense. All right, so Luke chapter 16, we're going to read verse 10 through 13. If you're faithful in the little things, you'll be faithful in the large ones. But if you're dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. And if you're untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? And if you are not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with things of your own? No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. Jesus is teaching us about money. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. You can't do both at the same time. Remember that. But you know what's shocking about this to me? That Jesus says that money is a little thing. Did you catch that? Most of us think it's a big thing. But no, it's a little thing. So God uses this little thing to test our character. Our integrity with money reveals the strength of our character. Since money is such a little thing, it reveals how we will handle greater responsibilities. 
Do you guys see why you're going through? All those people who raised their hands had a financial test. You see why? He's developing your character. He uses money to develop your character. If you are still fighting with your personal finances, you don't get to move on to greater responsibilities. That's how it works in the kingdom of God. You have to get it right at home before you can move on to greater responsibilities. You'll stay stuck right there until you learn how to manage this little thing. Money, little thing. Those who struggle with money struggle to serve God. We just read that in the scripture. You can't be enslaved to money and serve God at the same time. And money has this way of becoming God. It's this little thing, but when we make it a big thing, it keeps us from serving God. Even though we want to, we want to serve God. But because we're making money this big thing, we can't serve God at the same time. So how do you know if you're enslaved to money? I can just tell this is so much fun right now. I'm helping you out. Are we going to skim it off today? That's the question. So how do you know if you're enslaved to money? Well, it's the trump card when you make decisions. Even if the Holy Spirit's leading you to do something that doesn't make sense financially, you choose the financially wise path over what God's telling you to do. And everybody will praise you for doing that. You made the right decision. The financially wise decision. But did it violate what the Holy Spirit told you to do? If it did, you're, you're a fool. Because you're missing out on what God really has for you. You also know you're enslaved to money if it's a big thing in your life. If it's something that you think about all the time. We should manage it well. We're going to spend some time thinking about it, right? But if it consumes your life, if you're always worried about it, always thinking about it, it's your God. Another indicator is when you get upset about others who have money. Thinking that you could do better with it. Thinking that they are misusing it calling them names, right? Thinking that they should give you some of what they have because you're struggling. I can say that with great confidence because I've had some of those thoughts myself when I was struggling and we had rich relatives. If they could just give me, oh, you've never had those thoughts. It was just me. Y'all, if you're concerned about somebody else's money, mm, 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 mm. you're in a bad place. Get out of there. Get out of there. Don't even let yourself think about it. When you have those thoughts, cast them out. Take every thought captive, right? That is an ungodly thought. Whenever you start thinking about somebody else's money, take it and cast it out. I ain't thinking about that. So we've got to learn to see money as God sees money. It's a little thing. Everybody say it's a little thing. So little. But it's the first thing that God uses to measure your faithfulness. If you're faithful with this little thing, God's looking. Are you faithful with this little thing? Because then I can trust you with the bigger things. In other words, it's easier to be faithful with money than it is to be faithful with almost anything else. You look around, you're like, but everybody's struggling to be faithful with money. Exactly. If you'll learn to be faithful in the little thing, you can be faithful in the big things. That's why you have to get the money thing figured out before you can move on to greater responsibilities. That's why Jesus taught so much on money. You should go and look at the teachings of Jesus and see how much he brought it up. And it's for this reason. So if you struggle with money and you want to get things sorted out, how about we start the transformation today? Today's a good day to start. 
Um, this doesn't mean it's going to happen overnight. You're going to have to work at this. You have to work at this. And there are some painful steps along the process. And it starts with learning how to manage money. So if you're misusing money, spending it on frivolous things, you're not budgeting, things like that, that's where the Lord starts. And it's not very fun. But go see Dave Ramsey. He'll help you out. You're going to have to work at this, but admitting your error is the first step. So I'm going to give you an opportunity today. If you want to show, if, you're, if this is you, you're struggling with money and you want to show money, you're no longer my God. I'm kicking you out today. Just stand up. Stand up. This is the first step. You got to admit that this is where you're at. You're not my God anymore. Get out of here. Amen. That took courage. Anybody else want to stand up? Join these courageous ones. Money is a little thing. So little. Put it in its place and watch God work. He will always provide. It's his promise. It's his promise. Let me pray for you guys. Lord, I know that you honor what happened here today, that they stood up and they were courageous and they were bold. And I believe you're going to work a miracle on their behalf because of their obedience to do something that was so uncomfortable. They overcame their flesh and they did it anyway. And so, Lord, I ask you to honor their obedience. And I ask you to show them how you see money. Reveal it to them. Reveal it to me. Take us on this journey of putting money in its place and using it for what we need to use it for. I thank you for freedom. I break off financial bondage in Jesus' name. I break off the spirit of poverty in Jesus' name. I command it to go. Every bit of wrong teaching that these have heard over the years, I just break that off in Jesus' name. God, destroy it in an instance and replace it with the truth. Give them great joy and give them great peace as they go along this journey. Help them to enjoy every step, even if it starts right there in the budgeting process. Somehow, work amazing miracle and help them enjoy the budget. Amen. I'm serious. Thank you, Father God. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Y'all can sit down. Thank you. So I just want to wrap this up. I believe that you all can make it here. I didn't come up here to preach this message to run y'all off. I I've never intentionally run people off. I get up here and do what the Holy Spirit tells me to do, and sometimes people run off. <laughs> but that's not the, that wasn't my purpose today. I believe all of you can make it here. I believe that you have what it takes to be a part of what God is doing here. You just have to decide. Are you going to grow your character? Are you going to allow the Holy Spirit to come in, clean you up, get those things out, skim off? what he's brought to the top. And all that's done through the holy fear of God. Don't do this because you fear me, because you fear that Cade's going to find out. But everything we've been talking about over the last three weeks, do it because you want to please God, the creator of the universe, the one who created you, the one you're going to spend eternity with. And I want you to listen to what happens if you do what I'm urging you to do today. Everybody say, I have to do it. Hmm. Anthony, you could come preach a whole message on that, couldn't you? We talked about it at men's meeting yesterday. So here's what happens when you do this. Psalms 128. How joyful are those who fear the Lord. Joyful. All who follow his ways. You will enjoy the fruit of your labor. How joyful and prosperous you will be.
Your wife will be like a fruitful grapevine flourishing within your home. Your children will be like vigorous young olive trees as they sit around your table. That is the Lord's blessing for those who fear him. May the Lord continually bless you from Zion. May you see Jerusalem prosper as long as you live. May you live to enjoy your grandchildren. May Israel have peace. Lots of precious promises in that one little psalm. And they're all yours if you choose to live a life of fear to the Lord and follow his ways. His ways are better. His ways are higher. My ways suck. (laughs) For lack of a better word. His ways are not my ways. His ways are not your ways. Even your best idea sucks compared to God's way. Let that get through your thick head. It took me a minute. His ways are better. Man, that was good, wasn't it? Help us get God's word out to everyone who needs it by partnering with us financially. Your generous giving is what enables us to make a difference for the kingdom of God. Visit nolimits.fyi to give securely online. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss a message. And thanks again for listening. Now let's go make a difference.